Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the first epistle of John, chapter 1 through verse 2 of the second chapter. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with God the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message that we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live in the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and forgive us, forgive us our sins and purify us with all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father on our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we come this morning We come during this time of worship to praise you. But we also come with the humility of spirit. For it is during this hour, this time of worship, that we remember that were it not for you, that we could not even merely approach the throne of glory. So as we ponder the human condition, we ponder our egocentricity versus the theocentricity of life that you so desire for us. We pray, O Lord, that we would listen intently and be transformed by your grace so that we might be not just hearers of your word, but go forth from this time of worship as doers of your word, 
for a world that needs to hear and see that word and action. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. I have a friend who teaches in a leadership development course and what it, it, it's designed to take leaders, whether they're middle management, senior management, to teach them to be the best leaders they can be. And so over the course of the time that they spend in this program, they start out first finding a baseline. What's the floor, if you will? And so they take a whole battery of tests like the Myers-Briggs uh, personality test to understand how they tick, measuring introversion versus extroversion, all of those things where they draw their energy from, how they evaluate data, how they make decisions. There's a test that they take that helps them figure out how much feedback they need to receive and how much they like to give. Things like change management styles, all this. They do a, 300, they do a 360 review with their peers, their supervisors, and their direct reports to kind of help them zero in on just who they are at this moment in time when they start the program. He says the first time that they get together after having filled out all of these battery of tests, he says we love to hand them a notebook with all the results. And it's meaningless until the second day. Because the first day they just pour over and try to make sense of it. The second day they actually meet with a coach. And he says that's when they begin to realize that it is a letter from home that they've received in this tome. A letter from home that tells them what their direct reports truly think about them, what their supervisors truly see in them, what their peers praise them for and wish they knew about themselves. He says the hope is that this baseline is that they will see this as the reality, not what has to always be, but where they are so that they might grow forward. But it takes a willingness it takes a willingness to listen and to understand and to change in order to be the best leader. He says the best leaders in our program take this letter from home. The parts that are hurtful, they spring forward from them. They learn from them. The parts that praise them, they don't just say, well, I've got that covered, but they try to do even better. This letter from home becomes a guiding principle for their growth in leadership, their growth in abilities, their growth in who they are, to be better at what it is that they do, to be the best leaders. This Sunday is the third Sunday in the season of Easter. This time for us to reflect upon the resurrection and what it means for us as followers, for us as disciples, for us as believers. The first epistle of John was an excellent text. The whole thing is excellent for us. So we're going to spend some time in that this Easter season. Because he wrote it for two purposes. The first was to remind people how to deepen their spiritual lives. But the other, as he began to look upon the early church, started to see some budding heresies. So he wanted to kind of head those off at the past, nip them in the bud, if you will. And today's text, today's selection... John desires that they hear this deepening call from God for a close relationship. 
He cautions him that God wants fellowship with you and me and the entire world, that God wants his close relationship to be restored. That was why Christ came, but sin enters in. It breaks that relationship. But that there is hope. There is hope for us because of the resurrection. And so this passage becomes a theological letter from home, if you will, for us. If we want to live the best life, the life that God wants for us, a life in close relationship where we see in verse 7 or verse 5 where it says God is light and in him there is no darkness. If we want that kind of life, we're always walking in the light, then we've got to turn to verse 9 where John writes, If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all righteousness. I love that. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us for all righteousness. See, my friends, our best life is found in close fellowship with God in that relationship where we are living the way God wants us to and we see God is not only God but God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one who loves us, redeems us, and sustains us. So if we want that close relationship, we want that best life that God wants for us, it says it right there in the text, we must confess our sin, we must accept the forgiveness and love that God gives us, but this is the best part, and then we must live and act as forgiven people. So there's three things to this. Best life, confession, receiving the forgiveness, owning it in our hearts, but then living as changed people. This letter from home encourages you and me and all the world that will listen to how to be the best people that we can be, to how to live the best life that God wants for us. We think about this idea of confession. I mean, ever since the dawn of time, humanity has been trying to define sin. I mean, we've thought about things like, well, you know, some sins aren't so bad, like level one sins, and there's those really bad ones, those level 10 sins. I mean, but folks, really, isn't sin anything that separates us from God? And so while we want to try to justify it, or we want to try to sort of make our lives seem better because we don't commit a lot of level 10 sins, maybe it's a whole lot of level ones, it's sort of like a paper cut, isn't it? I mean, a paper cut is still a cut. Sure, it's a small cut, but death by a thousand paper cuts is still death, is it not? So therefore, sin, no matter what type it is, any separation from God is separation from God. And that's not what we want, but yet the human condition, our hubris and our ego, wants us to sort of find out that maybe we don't have to admit all of our faults. But that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, John speaks of this in verse 8. He says, if we claim to be without sin, then we deceive ourselves and we separate ourselves from God. It's when our egocentricity takes precedence over theocentricity of life. When we decide that we know what's better for us and what we want is more important than what God wants for us, that sin enters in. I mean, let's face it, we all sin. It's just part of the human condition because oh, so often we try to think about our needs, ourselves, before the needs of others, before what God wants for us. We can't admit our faults at times. 
We can't see where our past behaviors or past actions have separated us from God or have broken the common good and hurt each other. See, when we fail to see how past actions have done that, when we fail to apologize for what has happened in the past, are we not committing sin? I mean, that's what John is saying right here, that we have broken that relationship. But John's prescription to live in the light, to find our best selves, is to start just with this, with this idea of confession. We think about 12-step programs for healing and recovering. The first step is to admit to yourself in those programs that you have a problem. The second step is to admit to God how you have failed and then to admit to others how you have hurt them. The same is true outside of the 12-step programs with just all of life. If we admit how we have broken our relationship with God, that is confession. When we admit how we have broken our relationship with each other in all aspects of humanity, that is confession. It's not trite, though. We can't just say, oh, I'm sorry for that. We've got to mean it. There's got to be a depth to our heart to it. We've got to really look at how we have affected the lives of those around us by our actions and to make amends, to make a difference. So as we think about that this week, as we think about the resurrection and what it means for us, maybe we should just take some time and to think about how we have lived our lives and to think back over the spectrum of the past week or month or year. What are the mistakes? What are the injuries? What are the faults that we have caused or we have made that have created separation between us and God? I encourage each of us this week just to find a little bit of time, take a half a sheet of paper, fold it over, and just make a few lists of those things where we have fallen short of what God wants for us or how we have wanted to treat each other or how we would want to be treated by the world and where we have done those fouls, those transgressions. Because once we can get to the point of admitting our own fault, that is then when we begin to realize the hope that enters in with the resurrection. I mean, that's the point of John's epistle is to remind us that God doesn't want us to live in that darkness, but that God wants us to live in the light. I mean, confession helps us see where we have shattered that relationship, but hope comes in the resurrection. That's the whole point of the cross and the reclaiming power of the resurrection is that we are healed and lifted up. See, the resurrection power comes that we find our best life in Christ. I mean, think about his words. He says, come to you who are weary. You're weary of the way that you live, weary of the brokenness of life, weary of being hurt and hurting others. My burden is easy and my yoke, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he's saying is, is I will lift you up. I will heal that wound if you will just pledge your life to me. Or those of you that are thirsty, come to me, I will give you living water and you will never be thirsty again. I am the bread of life. See, my brothers and sisters, we begin to realize that those were not just words that Jesus was saying to us, but that that was the profound action of God in heaven for us. The power of the resurrection following the pain of the cross becomes very real for us.
John's writing to say that confession leads to forgiveness. So when we look at those lists of things that we have done in our week, in our day, in our life that have broken the contract, the relationship between us and God, the relationship with us and humanity, the question we then seek our souls is, do we know the loving power of God? Do we know the loving, forgiving power of the one who died for our sins? And much like John Wesley wrestled with that question, the answer can be found when we start to pray about it, we start to read the words in the hymn that we sang this morning. We are the Easter people because we've received this gift of forgiveness. But once we've received this forgiveness, once we know it in our hearts and we know it that we want it to haul the world, we also must recognize that we've got to live as changed people. I don't know about you, but when I've experienced the best in life, it's hard to go back, isn't it? I mean, when you've experienced the best, it's hard to go back. When you've experienced the best food, it's hard to go back to eating fast food, isn't it? Or maybe if you're like me and you're a snow skier, if you've ever gone out west to Utah where the snow is deep and fluffing, the runs are long and wide, it's very hard to come back from that and to ski on the frozen granular surface of western North Carolina. Once we've experienced the best, we don't ever want to give it up. And a life in Christ is that way. A life changed by the resurrection where we begin to realize that the confession of our sins and the power of God's forgiveness, that we stand in the light and we never want to go back to the darkness. See, grace enters in. And the more that we are in the light, the brighter our lives become, and the more that we want to share that light with everyone around us. So to stay in that light, to stay in the light of God's grace, forgiveness, and love, we've got to act as changed people. We change by acknowledging our sins, change by acknowledging grace and forgiveness, but we also change by coming to learn from our past and living as better. To live that more Christ-like life, just as Kate referenced in our greeting this morning, this idea where we do no harm to others, where we love God and do good, and we stay close to God by listening intently each and every day. Then when we walk out of our doors, we see every day as a chance to show the world the change that God has made in us, that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to show you by the way I live, the way I speak, the way I treat each other. Now the reality is, is that we're not going to be perfect. I mean, we know this about ourselves. We're still human. We're still going to make mistakes, but when we do, if we're aware of those, a greater awareness that we can apologize more quickly, seek forgiveness from each other, and try to do better. And when we start to live that way with that consciousness about our actions and our abilities, that's when we're living that best life. That's when we're living the life that God wants for us. That's when we're living the life that God is writing about through John. That letter from home, if you will. So this week, Let's try this. Let's keep this letter from home from 1 John right in front of us. Let's make that list of things that we know that we have done, 
seeking forgiveness for them. But then let's think about how we want to do different, how we want to be different in the world around us. Talking to my friend about his leadership development course, he says, you know, the best leaders are the ones that look at that book every week and they realize where they've been and how they're getting better every day. My friends, that's what John's epistle calls us to do, to confess, to forgive, to act and be better every day. To remember that what we read in here is not a sentence, but is a challenge, is the baseline for us so that we might be the more faithful people that God wants us to be for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the world, and for each and every one of us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.